Good morning. We welcome you to our worship service this morning. How blessed we are to be here, to have the opportunity to worship our Lord. Let's begin this morning with number 239 in moments like these. In moments like these, I sing out a song, I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my voice, I lift up my voice to the Lord. Singing I love you, Lord. Singing I love you, Lord. Singing thankful for your love and for your mercy. We're thankful for your plan that for, from before time, your plan was to send your son, to send him as the, the payment for our sins, to, uh, to atone you, to, to serve as the uh, fulfillment of the of a law that we couldn't keep, to um, ultimately pay the price so that we could come back home to you. Father, it's the choices we make in life, each day, each moment. As we chose, as we have chosen in the past to, to follow the way of the world, things that look easy, things that look uh, appealing, yet we leave, leave you behind. And Father, we're thankful that you knew that we would do that, yet you always wanted us home. You wanted that fellowship with us. Father, we're thankful that you've provided that. Father, help each one of us to share that gospel, share the good news that Jesus came down, that he, he gave his life on our behalf. He was buried, and he rose again. Help us share that, that hope, that hope of conquering death, that hope of the eternal life, which uh, many of us started, started with baptism, as we, as we put on Christ, as we washed away our sins with his blood. We're thankful that that eternal life has already started, that you are with us each step of the way. Help us to share that to our families. Help us share that to our friends. Help us to share that to those who need to hope so much. Father, we ask for your blessings on those who strive daily to share that gospel, those who work in it day in and day out. Please be with Matt and Mike. The, uh, they work with it. That's their full-time job is, is to share that gospel, to share that good news, to share that hope. We ask today to be with Matt uh, as he teaches a lesson on the divided kingdom. We can see what happens. We can look at a record of when people gave up that hope in you, when, they, when their own opinions became worth more than the body and the kingdom. 
And Father, we, uh, we also can take that that you stayed faithful through all of it. The promise is always there. You held on to the promises that you made Abraham and continued to hold on and fulfill those. Father, we, uh, we ask for your blessings on Campion, Ariton, Agrippa, and Peter and the work that they do in Zimbabwe with the uh, Sakuba Church, as they feed the church, children there, as they reach out to the community, as they reach out to those in prison, and they share your gospel. Um, they use the, I know they use the World Bible School, them and the Florida Prison Ministry both, uh, with great success to show your, your word, to show that hope and love. Father, continue to bless the Florida Prison Ministry, Gary Wider, Rob McConnell, and those who change lives and know the power and share that power. Father, we ask for your blessings on Barry and Stacy Rosie and Molly, Blessings on the, the children in Betacara and Madagascar. Uh, Dennis and the work that he continues to do in Nicaragua. We also ask for blessings on the Church of the East Orange um, as they continue to grow. As the word's taught there and they grow in their little community. And Father, we ask for your blessings on the, the kids at Mount Dora. Um, home life situations which just didn't work out. Father, we're thankful that it thing put into a situation where they can... Uh, be stable, a situation where they can, can learn and they can grow. We ask for your blessings on them and those who uh, attend to their needs. Father, we ask for your blessings on this great country. We ask for peace. We ask for wisdom. We ask for leaders to look to you for guidance. Father, we ask for uh, blessings on all of us that we act as one nation undivided and that we always put you first. Father, we ask for your blessings on many who are sick. We ask for your blessings on Mitzi as she continues to get stronger. Um, we ask that you uh, watch over her and uh, the, the future plans, the future treatments to eradicate that cancer, that she'll be strong enough for that, and that will help do the trick. Father, we ask that you be with Hank. Um, help him to his infection to heal so he can get into the uh, Eddington place and be one step closer to Brenda. That's a it's a place that we know he, he needs to be, he wants to be, so he can be closer to his wife of many decades. Father, we ask that you be with Calvin, where it's uh, good news that Calvin's continued to heal. Uh, he's been home for three weeks. He's been stable. He's even uh, strong enough to walk a little bit on his own at home, and we're thankful for that. He's been through a very tough time. Father, we also ask for your, your blessing on the Wall family. Um, Patty fell, and uh, she's in a facility for physical therapy. But, um, Father, we know she's refusing to take her meds that she needs. We ask that you, uh, that you be with her, you be with them, give them comfort and peace through all of this. Uh, Father, we're thankful for, uh, thankful for great strides against the, the Rona, which has raged this country for a year, the world for a year. We're thankful for a new vaccine, which has hit the market this week. We're thankful that the distribution, although it's not just walk in and get it, it's improving, and more and more people are able to get that. If we can at least put the bad symptoms behind, at least we can uh, function as we've been designed to. Um, Father, we ask for that blessing for many, many reasons. Um, Father, we ask that we bless each of us to have soft hearts to uh, worship you not only here, but in our daily lives to spread your gospel, share your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To help us prepare our thoughts for the Lord's Supper, let's sing, Come Share the Lord.
have set this time for us to participate in the Lord's Supper. This memorial helps us to remember Jesus, to celebrate Jesus' gift for us, and it serves as a reminder to us. Today I'm going to focus on a reminder. It's the reminder that Jesus gave the disciples in John 16:33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribu tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer this morning just thanking you that, that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for us, Father. We're sorry that he was beaten, bruised, killed for us, Father. Please bless this bread that represents that broken body. In Jesus' name, amen. Great Father, we come to you again, Father, thanking you so much for Jesus. Thanking you that, that even though he did have to suffer for us, that, that it was his shed blood that, that saves us, Father. 
when you raised him from the dead, Father, he overcame the world, and, and through him we also overcome the world. Please bless this cup, Father, in his name. Amen. Before this morning's lesson, let's sing number 709, How Sweet, How Heavenly. If it's convenient for you, would you please stand while we sing this hymn? start off and warn you, if you hear it in my voice, it's still here for me. I have run zero fever. Just want to be really clear. I still can smell when my nose isn't stuffed. And I can certainly taste and have not lost my appetite. Um, but if you're not comfortable, we got plenty more than six feet right here. Just don't come say hi to me. It's not going to offend me, okay? Um, I probably will cough a couple times, so I'm sorry for anybody who might have an earpiece in. Um, it's just the way it is for me. I was talking to my mom on the phone, and I said, you know, Mom, I think I might be allergic to oak trees. And we've been living in a place called Plantation Oak for 15 years now. And I say, it happens every single year that the leaves fall. I don't think it's a coincidence. I go out, I clean up my leaves, and I get sick. And I call my sister, and I said, you know, I think I might be allergic to oak trees. You know, my mom and my sister both said they are. So why didn't you tell me this before I moved into a place called Plantation Oak? So anyway, just want you to, I want you to understand that. For those of you who have been around for a while, you know this is, this is the time of year. I get a cough. I get a runny nose. It is what it is. All right. <clears throat> we are in and I'm sorry, but I got to suck a cough drop. So if you hear all, all the time, I'm sorry. All right. We're in the place where we have, we have went through one sermon in this series of the divided kingdom. And we focused in on Israel at the beginning. And we're getting to the spot where we're going to flip back and forth from Israel to Judah. And it's where it starts to get 
uh, really tricky because you're going to have several different kings that are going to come through on both sides to follow. We're going to have kings in, in countries that are coming in and, and merging and battling with Israel and Judah all at the same time. And we're also going to have several prophets that are coming in and out of the, the story. So this is why this part of Scripture is one of the parts none of us know very well. It's a very hard part of the Bible to track. It's a very hard part of the Bible to uh, like, like see in a linear form, right? It's, a, it's, a hard part. it's probably one of the hardest parts of the Bible. It's also one of the most fascinating parts of the Bible. It's also one of the most revealing parts of the Bible. It's also one of the parts of the Bible where a lot of people don't like to preach about it because what's going on in Israel, it's not very exciting. In fact, it's pretty terrible. In fact, it's stuff you really don't want to admit God's people were doing. The corruption, by the time we get to captivity, the corruption in Judah, the corruption in Israel is stuff that would make every single person in this room, every person who claims to be a Christian, blush. Blush. Stuff that some of you with younger children might think, I really wish Matt wouldn't talk about this. Don't worry, I won't go into it in so much detail. I have young children too. But we're not going to hide the truth of the word. We're not going to hide the history of Israel just because it gets tough. So, here we are. The king is Ahaziah, or Ahaziah, however you want to say it. And he's doing the same thing as the kings before him. And this is the pattern you're going to see. I am telling you, there's really only two heroes in this part of the story. They're both kings of Judah. Their names are Hezekiah and Josiah. Those are the only two heroes in this story. And I will tell you this too. Well, outside of some prophets, okay? But I will tell you this too. They're not exactly perfect kings either. They're not exactly the David. They're not exactly, um, really, David was a beautiful person but had some rough times too, right? This is the way of the human. This is the way of the human race. Remember, when we're looking at Israel, we need to look at it from the big picture. We need to realize that this is the story of us. This is the story of mankind, but it's also just as simply as explained as our story, our individual story. We all go through ups and downs. We all have times where we doubt. We all have times where we're strong in the Lord. We all have times where we've done things we wish we could take back in our life that we're embarrassed of, and we have times of great victory that we like to talk about, that we're proud of. Elijah is coming to an end. And Elisha is coming, rising into power as the prophet of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. And Elisha is nervous because as we've discussed in past lessons, the, the prophets of God are getting very small in number compared to the prophets of Baal, compared to the prophets of Asheroth, compared to the prophets of Asherah, compared to the prophets of Moloch, compared to the prophets of Baal. 
And Elisha's nervous because everybody is telling him. Everywhere he goes, the prophets of God, the few that remain, are telling him, hey, you know um, God's about to take Elijah from you, right? Hey, you know God's about to take Elijah from you, right? <clears throat> so we get to this moment. Again, I have to skip a bunch of details. It drives me nuts. I just want to say that real quick. If you like all the details, come back on Wednesday night. That's where we get to dig in a little bit deeper. Right now we're looking at it from the 30,000 foot view. So Elijah's getting ready to be taken by God. And he says to Elijah, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they, as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So Elisha saw Elijah being taken by God. So he got that double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now, <clears throat> during this time, you have Moab. And Moab is rebelling against Israel. And actually, at this point in time, you have Israel and Judah uniting to fight against Moab. <clears throat> While Israel and Judah have went out to set war against Moab, you have Elisha, who's also in their midst. He's going with them. Now what's interesting is that the king of Israel, he, he is Ahiza, he is worried about dying. He has had a fall. And he has said, hey, I want you to go to the prophets of Baal. I believe it's Baal-zebub. That sound familiar to anybody? Baal-zebub. <clears throat> and he says, I want you to find out if I'm going to die. And Elijah, this is, a, this is a little bit before Elijah gets taken up, Elijah actually stops his messengers and says, hey, why are you going to talk to Baal? Why are you going to talk to the prophets of Baal? Is there no God in Israel anymore? Is there no God here? And he tells Ahiza he's going to die. Now, I wanted to tell you that before we got too deep into it because we're going to come back to that, okay? And I'm a little, bit, um, a little bit all over the place because that's where we're at in the scripture right now. All right. 2 Kings 4. <coughs> Elisha is coming into his own. And I want, one of the things I want you to see in this is this is the shift, okay? This is the shift. This is where the messianic stuff is really going to start coming in strong. Very interesting, the timing. I want you to think about this. Very interesting, the timing of Israel and Judah and the state they are in. When some of your biggest prophets arise, some of the greatest prophecies are coming out of a time of Israel and Judah when they're at their worst. Some of the greatest men of God are arising at a time 
where Israel and Judah are abandoning God, where their kings are asking for prophets of false gods to give them prophecy instead of looking at the prophets of God that are in their own country still faithful to the Lord. And here comes Elisha. And we know this story, right? We know Elisha raises a widow's, a widow's son, just like Elijah, right? But there's some interesting things that happens here. He said, um, so it's, he says, she, it says, she has a son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And we had called her. She stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha said to her. <coughs> now that child dies. At the end of it, Elisha goes back to see that child. He's dead. Now pay attention to the details here. It's really interesting. Then he got up again and walked once back, once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon the child. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he, so he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground and she picked up her son and went out. Now what's interesting is Elisha does actually some really weird things in this moment, okay? The boy is laying dead, and Elijah actually takes his eyes and lines up his eyes with the boy and lines up his nose with the boy and lines up the mouth with the boy, and he's laying on the boy like this. Weird imagery, right? At that time, the child sneezes seven times. Are we, or do we understand the significance of the seven? The seven is the number of God. You know, I think God does things in a weird way sometimes. I think God does things in a way we unexpect, the way we don't see, the unexpected way, so that by the time it's done, you can't give credit to Elisha. You can't give credit to the man of God. All you can do is give credit to God. I just want to point that out because there are some very interesting little things. And I'm telling you, when you read the scriptures, when you study the scriptures, look at every little word. Look at every little detail. Because there's little hints, there's little secrets, there's little, man, there's so much in the detail. Continuing in 2 Kings 4, a man came from Baal Shalashah. That Baal just keeps coming from everywhere, doesn't it? Bring the man of God bread of its first fruits. Now, again, pay attention because we're getting into the messianic prophecies. They're starting to come in. They're going to be coming in heavy the next few weeks. Okay? But look at this. Start looking at the similarities of the stories, of the situations that, uh, the, the prophets of God are going through. See if you're picking up on what I'm picking up on. So the man of God brings fresh fruits and 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elijah said, give it to the men that they may eat. <coughs> Excuse me. 
servant said, how can I set before a hundred, how can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, give it, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them and they ate and they had some left over according to the word of the Lord. What does that sound like? Anybody thinking about the miracles of Jesus when they fed the 5,000? How about that one? Right? Little boy comes, brings a couple fish, a couple loaves of bread. All kinds of stuff left over. Okay. Syria. Syria is the enemy of Israel. Syria is the enemy of Judah. Syria <coughs> is, on the neighbor, is, is on the border of Israel and Judah, and they're causing all kinds of problems. Syria is going to be a very important player going forward the next several weeks. In Syria, the king has a servant, and the servant's name is Naaman, and Naaman has leprosy. Starting to sound familiar again? And Naaman is, the Syrian king sends Naaman to Israel. <coughs> and Elisha tells him, we can heal your leprosy. God will heal your leprosy. Right? He says, <coughs> let me get up to where it's at. He, Elijah tells him to go and dip himself in the Jordan. And Naaman gets upset, actually. Naaman, he says, I came all the way here, and you're telling me to go take a bath in a river? He's like, you know how many rivers I passed on the way here? <coughs> so Naaman gets upset, but he has a servant come to him, and he says, Naaman, are you crazy? This is my interpretation, right? Naaman, are you crazy? That prophet just told you if you go and wash in the Jordan, you can lose your leper. You can, you can be healed of your leprosy. Why not go try it? Right? Why not just go try it? So Naaman says, whatever, I'll go try it. And he goes and he dips himself seven times in the Jordan. After he dips himself seven times in the Jordan, his leprosy is clean. In fact, the scripture says his skin, we don't know how old he is, but I know I'm old enough to know there's a difference between my skin and a baby's newborn skin, right? Anybody else got some sunspots, some weathering? Hmm? A few extra wrinkles you didn't have before? Skin's not so tight. Naaman's skin actually returns to that of a baby. He has beautiful skin. Probably looks like a young man again, right? So he goes back to his king. What do you think his king thinks? You know what's interesting? When people see, especially at this time, but even through the time of Jesus, there's something different about somebody getting healed of anything else than leprosy. Because leprosy, the second you got it, it was a death sentence. But it wasn't just a death sentence. Listen, think about it, right? If you were born blind, the Israelites, the Jews, by the time we get to Jesus, right, they think your parents did something so bad that you have been punished as their child, right? But does the blind person get ostracized from the community? 
He might be a beggar. He might be sitting by a, a pool or a gate. But he's still in the community. When you got leprosy, you were banished. You lost everything in a moment because nobody wanted to touch you. It's kind of like having a cough during COVID. It, amen. I go out in public and people look at me like, like, did allergies just go away for people? I know that was a selfish moment. I'm sorry. That was a selfish moment. But it's true. So when people get healed of leprosy, it's more than just a healing of their physical health. When people get healed of leprosy, it's a chance for them to actually come back into a culture, into a civilization, into a society that they've lost. We always point out, like when Jesus heals the leper, right, he reaches out and touches them. He doesn't have to touch them, right? The woman who, who has been bleeding for years, all she does is touch Jesus' robe and she's healed. Jesus doesn't have to touch. He, doesn't, he can command, right? The Lord spoke everything into existence. He doesn't have to touch. There was a reason why he did it. Because that leper had probably not been touched in years. No one would dare touch him. In the same way, this has happened. This is significant. The king of Syria, actually, he doesn't, he, he begins to withdraw. See, even the Syrian king recognizes the power of God. Again, I want you to think about that compared to the time of Jesus, where Jesus is healing, and the men of God at that time, the Israelites, the Jews really at that point in time, right? Because Judah's all that's going to survive this. They're looking at Jesus saying what? Where's his power come from? God? He heals a leper. Where's his power come from? He heals a blind man born from birth. Where's his power come from? Men of God, during the time of Jesus, say, he's getting his power from Satan. We'll get to that when we get to that, though. All right, let's carry on. Oh, yeah, we got to go fast. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elijah said, Oh, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may, that they may see. So this is that moment where now Syria, Syria has sent people to kill Elisha. They have sent an army to kill Elisha. And Elisha is at that moment where he's surrounded and his servants woke him up and he said, we're dead, right? We're dead. And Elijah tells his servant, hey, he prays to God and says, let my servant see what I see. And then, they, and then he sees the army of God surrounding the men of Syria. Well, right after that happens, the army of Syria gets blinded all at once. Imagine being there and living through that. They're blinded all at once, okay? And Elijah, he says a prayer in front of them, and their, heal, their blindness goes away. And they go back to Syria again. <coughs> again. And actually, it's interesting because Elisha's at that point, and he's praying to God, and he says, what do you want me to do with them? Should I kill them? And God says, no, you're not going to kill them. We're going to heal them, and you're going to feed them. Again, going back to that, that, that Jesus guy, right? What does he say about your enemy? Pray for him, right? Feed him, right? Give him a drink. Go the extra mile with him. Give him the coat off your back. 
Turn the other cheek. Okay? We're starting to see these elements start to come in through these. Don't miss these little moments. i got to go fast. So <clears throat> in 2 Kings 7, finally, after all this stuff happens, the king of Syria says, I'm out of here. I'm not going to be part of this anymore. The problem is, is he goes home, and he gets sick. And he sends a messenger, messenger back to Elisha. And Elisha says, yeah, he's going to die, but you need to go back and tell him he's not going to die. And then he gives a prophecy about what that specific servant, who is eventually going to become the king of Syria, does, is going to do to Israel. I'm not going to read it for you, because it's, we'll get to it. So Isaiah reigns in Judah unfaithfully. So you got Jehoram and Ahaziah. <coughs> and Jerome rejected by God, and, and Jehu is anointed king in his place. Now, for those of you who, paid, who came in and paid attention on Wednesday night two weeks ago, we specifically talked about this moment. We talked about Ahab and Jezebel and Jehu. If you're interested and you didn't see it, go back and check it out on YouTube or Facebook. It's still in there, and you can check it out. Jehu is interesting because we left off, in the, last, in the last sermon in this series, we left off with the prophecy where it talks about those who escaped the sword of Ahab, and then those who escaped the sword of Elisha, and then those who escaped the sword of Jehu, right? Jehu. Jehu is interesting because we have this moment where the prophet of God, Elisha, tells Jehu to assassinate not only the king of Israel, but the king of Judah. And that's exactly what he does. Okay? And remember, that's because there's a lot of bad stuff going on. We're not going to keep going through it every single time and talking about all the different stuff that they're doing, sacrificing their children and everything else. We can go through it all every time if you want to, just in case you need to be reminded. But there's a lot of bad stuff happening in Judah. There's a lot of bad stuff happening in Israel. Okay? They're eating their children at this point. I'll show you the scripture on Wednesday if you come back. There's a lot of bad stuff happening. So here you go, 2 Kings 9, if you don't believe me, he starts getting commissioned by Elisha to, to assassinate the kings, all right? <clears throat> then you get to 2 Kings 10, Jezebel, I, I put Jezebel as executed by Jehu because Jehu tells um, the eunuchs to, to throw her down, right? Okay. Then he comes back and assassinates Ahaziah. Now, i got to get to this last part real quick, because this is a part many people don't know. But Azahiah has a mother. Her name is Athaliah. And Athaliah is ticked that Azahiah has died. You know what she tries to do? She tries to destroy the bloodline of David. A mother of the king of Judah tries to destroy the bloodline of David. Why is that significant? Well, because all of the future glory, at least when we get to the time of Jesus, right, they still expect this Messiah to come and return him to this power, this dominating power for the whole world for all of eternity. Why would you ever try to kill the bloodline of David? 
See, this shows how far Israel, this shows how far Judah specifically at this moment, it shows how far they've come. It shows how far they've walked away from God. They have prophecies that are specifically about their own people, the prospering of their own people. Why would you ever go against that? Why would you ever try to destroy that? But God obviously preserves Judah through Joash. And Joash begins to repair the temple of Solomon. <coughs> Joel. Joel is the prophet during this time. I have to go through this really fast, so I apologize, but I took way too much time at the beginning of this. I got excited, and, and I'm sorry. Joel's the prophet. I, I encourage you to read Joel or come back on Wednesday because we'll be focusing in more on the prophecies of Joel. But this is especially where the messianic prophecies start to come through. They come through for Joel. So Joel explains the reason for the famine, which is because Israel and Judah have fallen off the path of God. They're completely going the opposite way. They're doing the exact opposite of what God would want them to do. Okay? And then you have this. Joel 2. The earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice, voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Now, I want you to understand that in a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament, you've got a near prophecy and a far prophecy. That happens very often. Okay? There are lots of scholars who believe that Joel is talking about what's about to come to Israel and Judah. And also what's going to come when the Lord returns for the second time. Not the first time, the second time. So here you are, thousands of years ago, hearing the scriptures that are going to be reiterated by the writers in the, in the New Testament. Okay? <clears throat> I'm going to show you a little bit of that real quick. Matthew 24. This is Jesus. Immediately after the tribulation... Of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That was Jesus. Revelation 6. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell on the earth as the fig tree shreds, sheds its winter fruit and shaken by a gale. Okay, see that? All right, let's go a little bit more. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Have we not seen that already time and time and time again through the history of Israel? Have we not seen it? How many times has Israel done stuff so terrible that they deserve some doom? How many times has a bad king, like we showed in Ahab, right? How many times has a bad king repented and actually held back the disaster, the calamity that was coming for the actions of the people and his own leadership? <clears throat> the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Man, take comfort in that, please. Take comfort in that. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. 
The other thing that's interesting in Joel 2 is it talks about this, this pouring out of his spirit, which, again, we'll try to get into a little bit on Wednesday. Um, and you also see that, again, in Acts chapter 2. Joel uh, 2, verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your, son and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions even on the male and female servants in those days. I will pour out my spirit. I put that in there because I want you to see that. And I want you to understand that that's actually quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 2. And I will show wonders in heaven and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The Lord will judge the nations, and Judah shall remain the future of Israel. So this is also in that part of Acts chapter 2 where Peter's talking about all this stuff from Joel. And remember, this was the shift. This was right after Jesus had made the atoning sacrifice for the sin of all man. And Israel has been waiting. Judah has been waiting on this Messiah that's going to come and return them to this prominent power that they felt, that they saw, that they experienced at one point in time in their history. That power that they could have had if Solomon would have just been like David. Remember, we talked about that. And they finally realize in this moment, they're, they're, these, these people who have been listening, probably some of the more faithful, faithful people of Israel, of Judah at this time, right? <clears throat> they hear the message of, of Peter, and they're destroyed. They realize they just sacrificed the Messiah, what they've been waiting for. And they say, what can we do? It's the same situation over and over and over again. We struggle. We fall away. We feel like there's no way God could ever want us back. Why would God want somebody that's so all over the place, that's so doubting, so um, wrong, so evil at times? Repent. Come back to the Lord. Because he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Second part is be baptized. That's not something you do every time you fall away. It's something you do one time. And then you live the rest of your life in pursuit of Jesus Christ. Picking up your cross daily, following after him. Is it going to be perfect? No. The only perfect walk was the walk of Jesus Christ himself. It's going to be ups and downs just like Israel. There's going to be times where you think there's no way God could still be interested in me. He is. You're his child. For those of you who have children, how many times can your child sin against you before you write him off? Really, probably never, right? Right? 
Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood of Christ? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been transformed into the temple of God and added to the kingdom? For those of us who have, I pray that we're faithful. I pray that we're steadfast. I pray that if there's only a few of us left, that we're the few that continue to follow God no matter what. And I pray we don't write people off in our own lives because God never writes anybody off. Where are you at today? If there's any reason to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and we sing. Thank you, Matt, for that message. We appreciate each of you being here this morning, uh, both those that are in the building with us as well as those, uh, those that are with us virtually. I have a few announcements to, to present before we close. Uh, first of all, Doug uh, updated several of our sick in his prayer, so I'll not, not go back over that, but uh, we did get word that Mike Wall's mother, Patty, has started taking her medicine, so that prayer has already been answered. So continue to pray for her recovery. Uh, one that I want to add to what Doug said, Tiffany Kuzma is in Texas receiving some intense treatment for her medical problems. Please keep her in your prayers as well. Our food pantry will be open tomorrow, and we need help bagging bread and some other things so if you can help with that, please stay after we finish in here and go back in the kitchen and, and be a part of that. The elders have determined to uh, take a big step towards normalcy. We're going to do that on April 4th, which is also Easter Sunday. Uh, we are going to return to having full Bible classes in the morning beginning at 9 o'clock. There will be Bible classes for all ages. In addition, we'll have a worship service at 10 a.m. This will replace the two worship services that we're now doing in the morning. The Sunday evening service will uh, be re resumed. It's going to be quite a bit different than what we will experience in the morning. 
It's a mask required, socially distanced service for those who are wish to avoid the larger crowds and less restrictions than in the morning. It will be at five o'clock in respect for those that do not wish to drive in the dark. Uh, we will be sending out a letter in the next few days with a lot more details. Uh, but if you have questions right now, I will be, I will try to answer them. And uh, you can also ask any of the other elders about your concerns, your thoughts on, on that matter. But we're making a big step returning towards normalcy. Does anybody have a question? Anybody have a comment? Uh, all right. We'll go forward with that then. Thank you. Have a great day. For our closing prayer, let's sing number 778, please. 778. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, as we come to the close of this service, Father, we pray that everything that uh, has been said and done here today is pleasing in your sight. We give you all the glory and honor, Father, for our well-being and every good and perfect thing, because we know, Father, that all good things come from you. We ask you now, Father, as we depart our ways today, that you be with us all and keep us healthy and safe. Bring us back, Father, to worship you again. Forgive us of our sins. Let us walk with you daily. It's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.